0: What's up gamers and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am Hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer, and you have just stepped into my captain's quarters, my weekly gaming update show where I talk about my favorite gaming news topic of the past week, discuss what games I've been playing, give tips on some of those games, as well as issue a weekly relevant gaming-related decree. This week, it's all about the sequel to Deliver Us the Moon, one of my favorite games of 2020. So let's talk about it and dive right into the episode in my news catch of the week. Gamers 1 Deliver Us the Moon launched in April of 2020 on the Xbox i had no idea what amazingness i was in for you know i love sci-fi i love space in general astronomy just the magnificence and the unknown of what space actually is and the realistic approach that deliver us the moon took to going to space and man that launch sequence at the beginning of the game that gets you into space there was nothing like it honestly it was quite possibly arguably my most Exhilarating favorite gaming moment of that year. It was just so well done and it made you feel like you were really launching into space. And then once you got to the moon and the story and the graphics and the gameplay, if you really want me to go into the full details, check out my review. I do have it on here. I can't recommend this game enough to you. And so when I saw that they actually were making a sequel to Deliver Us the Moon, Man, I was absolutely ecstatic. And I was very honestly surprised as well, especially given the title, Us Mars. Obviously, how many times are you going to go back to the moon? You know, you've done that game once, you can't really have a us the Moon 2, per se. Obviously, the moon's a big place, so I'm sure you could figure something out. But the context of what was going on there wouldn't have made sense within that game's universe or world, so to speak. So Deliver Us Mars, it honestly, in that sense, makes sense. So when looking into what the game is all about, that's what I'm here to share with you and to talk about the game's story, its premise, what we can expect from gameplay improvements or additions over Deliver Us the Moon, and just in general, what I'm looking forward to from the game when it launches later this year. So a lot of the stuff I've gotten from the most recent Dev Diary or Developer Diary, and that is from developer... Kyokin, And they have just done an amazing job with sharing a lot of info so far with us about what this game is going to be. And this most recent dev diary really focuses on the narrative of the game, which is both about saving Earth and repairing a family relationship. So we have two side-by-side stories going on here. And the game is going to be set 10 years after Deliver Us the Moon's ending. And if you didn't know, climate change played a big role in the whole premise and purpose of what was happening in Deliver Us the Moon. The world was dying, basically. And obviously, set 10 years in the future from that game, this is still the case. And we've had 10 years worth of more decay as far as the Earth is concerned. So, at this point in the beginning of the game, we have up-and-coming astronaut Kathy Johansson. And she ends up taking on this mission to Mars... And the purpose is to retrieve colonization vessels known as ARCs that were meant to help save Earth. Now, years before this trip, Kathy's father, Isaac, he had actually abandoned both Earth and his daughter with the ARCs in tow. Meaning that he is a wanted criminal on Earth right now. But, guess what? Of course, guys, we get a mysterious transmission that has convinced Kathy that there is a possible chance her father is still alive and out there, and she is not going to stop until discovering the truth. Now, there are going to be flashback sequences that play out throughout the course of the game that dig into Isaac's choice to leave his daughter behind, and we kind of are hopefully given an understanding as to why he would have done something like that. And... I just got to tell you, from a basic premise standpoint, I think it sounds really good. It's very interesting. I can't wait to see why it was that he ended up, it was just so important that I have to leave and, and essentially abandon my child and the entire planet. Now, obviously, I'm sure like most of you probably already know as well, I'm assuming there is a very valid reason and something to do with maybe the solution to climate control or whatever it is happens to be on Mars, we'll see, but I'm sure there's got to be a valid reason, right? Now, one thing I'm very excited about in this game is the fact that it's Mars, you know, even since a little kid, I've always just loved the idea of Mars and watching sci-fi movies and just, you know, not necessarily about aliens per se, but it's always been something about that planet, right? Mars has always been... Probably, I would say, the most (laughs) overused or used planet out of our solar system next to Earth. And for good reason. It's the red planet. It's got a lot of crazy similarities to Earth. And it looks like it's going to be a lot of amazing environments for us gamers to explore. Now, when Kathy gets out there, that's one thing that I'm looking forward to is the diversity of these environments. Because very quickly in some of the gameplay trailers that I have seen, it shows different ice, snowy environments, as well as desert-like canyon environments, interior environments, because there's already been many research stations and lo- what looks to be a massive quarry and dig sites all around Mars of previous I don't know if it was teams, I guess, of people that have been sent here. Obviously, this is all speculation on my part at this point because we haven't been given those details yet by the developer. Don't necessarily know if I want to be given those details. I feel like I'd rather experience them as I'm playing the game. But now, it's fun to speculate. So you see all these different things that you get to explore and the environments that are very diversified. And in order to explore this kind of an environment like the canyons and just these rocky mountainous kind of areas of Mars, you have climbing gear, like the pickaxes that Lara Croft uses in the newest Tomb Raider series. Well, Kathy has two of those, and it allows her to traverse up and left and right and up and down all over the canyons and different mountainous areas. So it adds an element of exploration and traversal to this game over Deliver Us the Moon, which was I would say, honestly, it was mostly a linear experience. Lots of linear corridors and research centers. And even when you got out onto the surface of the moon, there was still not much of an open pathway for you to go. You essentially had to go from point A to B. So it looks like it's much more open-ended in this game's world of Mars. And the developers have already come out and said it's going to be a much longer game than us the Moon was. That game, I spent about 14 hours, I think it was, before the credits rolled. I would assume this game would be every bit of 20 hours for someone who plays or has a similar play style as I do, which is, man, I'm going to search every nook and cranny of those research centers and the surface of Mars. And if they have collectibles like Deliverus the Moon did, the comic books and different audio logs and things like that... I'm going to be searching for all of them because they were awesome when you found them and lots of great information coming from the story in Deliver Us the Moon, so I would expect nothing less here than Deliver Us Mars. Now, there's also new puzzle mechanics that are implemented into this game. That was also one thing I loved about Deliver Us the Moon was the puzzles. They were very smart, and, I mean, they really made you sit there and think, you know, and that's the best kind of puzzles when you can't just kind of run through them. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't like the puzzles where you sit there and I'm stuck and I'm stumped for half an hour. But at the same time, you like a little bit of challenge. And it looks like the new puzzle mechanics using your little robotic friend that you have with you that looks to be a similar robotic friend you had from Deliver Us the Moon. Obviously not the exact same one, but the similar style of robot. And according to the developer's claim, this is what gets me right here. They actually claim that the amount of research and time and effort that they put into the launch sequence and deliver us Mars leads them to believe and to claim that it's going to be even better and more realistic than the one in deliver us the moon. So as I stated at the beginning of this segment, guys, that's going to be a tall order (laughs) because that was an absolutely phenomenal experience. So if they're telling me that they can top that, whoo, man. That just gets me that much more jacked to play this game. Now, another big thing about Deliver Us the Moon that I loved, and they did, the developers make a point to bring up the importance of sound in Deliver Us Mars, and it was huge in Deliver Us the Moon. It was just absolutely just phenomenal. The realism that they led throughout the course of the game when it came to sound. And it is no different, their approach, uh, according to them. And deliver us Mars so that is just an amazing reassurance for me as someone who loved that first game and know what they're capable of the developer that man it looks like it's going to be just business as usual in this second game and guys I can't wait to play it thankfully we don't have a whole lot of time to wait it is available for pre-order now and we'll be launching on September 27th of this year so we only have just over two months to wait it's only 30 bucks, brand spanking new. I can't recommend this enough. And PS Plus actually had a special promotion for a while. I don't know if it's still going on now, but if you're a PS Plus member, you save 10% off the price. You know, it's 3 bucks, but I mean, hey, it's something. Regardless, I think that this game will be every bit worth the $30 price of admission, if it's anything like Deliver Us the Moon, and I cannot wait to play it. If you haven't played Deliver Us the Moon, again, I can't reiterate enough how much I recommend that you do. So that'll do it for this week's Catch of the Week. Now let's go open up my Captain's Log and see what games I've been playing. Gamers, recently I had shared with you that I had finally started to play a game that I was interested in, but honestly kind of let slip by initially. And I'm so glad that it was on PS Plus as a free game this month, and that game is Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. Gamers, this past week I did play another hour and a half into Crash Bandicoot 4. Total of two hours now I've dropped into this game, and I am on the third dimension out of the game's total of ten. Now, i got to tell you, I am absolutely in love with this game. I'm just going to put it right out there up front. I have loved every minute I've played of this game. It is so excellent. Graphically, it's just so beautiful to play through these different stages. The level layouts are awesome. The hidden secrets are so amazing to go after and enjoy. And I just can't get enough of it, to be honest with you. It's one of those games that has stuck with me after I put the controller down, and I'm sitting there, and I'm at work, and I'm like, man... I really enjoyed that stage the other night in Crash Bandicoot. I can't wait to get back to this game. Now, I will say that I did complete the Junkyard dimension, which was known as the Hazardous Wastes. And what I really enjoyed about that and its design, essentially it was really a junkyard. You saw in the distance and even as you go through the stages themselves, it's all like mounds of tires and car shells and parts of cars and engines and just Everything that you can think of that you would find in a junkyard, it's implemented in some way in the level design of these different stages of this dimension. And it's set in the far, far future, the 2800s to be exact, and it's just really well done. I I loved, as each stage progressed in the dimension, as they should, the difficulty kind of spiked up a little bit, the length of the stages got a little bit longer. And to get all of the crates in a level, or to find the hidden areas, or hidden VHS tapes, and what have you, it, you know, everything ramps up just a little bit more, and that's the way it should be. There were four stages that I completed this past week, and the game's first boss fight, which was against character Engine. And if you are a longtime Crash Bandicoot fan, you will very much recognize him. From way back in the day, he's been just about every Crash Bandicoot game, in my opinion. He's one of Neo Cortex's right-hand men. And it was a fun boss fight. It was just what I love. I love those classic style boss fights where you have to figure out a pattern and, you know, three hits after each pattern. And that gets them to the next stage of their boss fight. Man, it it was no different here. And it was just awesome. It was pretty hectic there towards the end. And I loved it. Loved every second of it. And I got to tell you, though, in my playtime in the Hazardous Wastes, it was just very surprising is, I guess, the best word. I did not expect to enjoy as much as I have what I've played. Not that I didn't expect to enjoy the game, but on the level that I've enjoyed it, man, definitely an awesome game. And let me just tell you, this next dimension that I unlocked and started playing it has the potential to just continue to escalate my enjoyment of Crash 4. And the reason why that next dimension, it is definitely looking like it's going to be my favorite so far between Insanity Island, the Junkyard Wastes, and now Salty Wharf. Because guys, if you know me, you know that I love tropical settings in games. I love anything to do with the ocean. And this is very much that. It's these tropical island style settings with pirates. So that's the theme. You mesh the tropical and the pirate themes together. you got shipwrecks. You got the tropical ocean and palm trees and coconut trees and the enemy types are all based around you know the ocean creatures and, and pirate stylized designs and I am eating it up. I am a glutton right now eating up every morsel that toys from Bob. Are throwing at me in this first stage of this new dimension. Absolutely enjoying the heck out of this game, and I can't wait to play more of it. But next up is another game that is yet another massive surprise to me as to how much I have absolutely loved playing it, and that game is Stray. Gamers, if you've been paying attention online at all for the past week or two, I'm sure you have seen on there that the PlayStation Plus lineup, that the first new additions involved day one release game, Stray, where you play as a cat in a dystopian type environment where all humankind has been somehow removed. And you have these robotic humanoid beings that are living in this weird city and you're just basically exploring as a cat, talking to these robots, interacting with them, and trying to figure out what happened. So, very much from the premise, you're kind of like, what? But when you look at the trailers, as I have over the last year or so since it was first debuted and shown off, and I'm just like, man, you know, this actually does look really, really good. And I, I think that I would like it. And not that I wouldn't have played it had it not been free on the PS Plus when it was added into the library. But it's just the fact that that was that extra push for me to say, you know what, I'm definitely going to give this a shot. I'm going to try it out. And the funny thing about that phrasing, I'm just going to try it out, is genuinely what my thoughts were when I (laughs) went to go do that just a few nights ago. But gamers, when I sat down and actually started playing this game, it immediately sucked me in. I mean, just from the graphics, the very opening scenes and the opening environments, the amount of detail, the beauty, oh man, it is extremely hard to say to you right now in this moment, a game that has more details going on in it than Stray that I played recently, man. And I played Horizon Forbidden West recently. I'm talking about fans that are industrial type fans and the city going off and you have like the steam coming out of them and the lights and the way the lights reflect off of the alleyways in the city and then just the debris in the city, the mix of vegetation and and vines with the brickwork of the different buildings that are around. Oh man, it is just an absolute eye-melting pleasure playing this game. But a game is not just about its graphics, it's also about the gameplay and about the story and You know, there's very, very much a drip feed of story information that's going on here. And I've loved that. You really have no idea what's going on. You know, you're just kind of dropped into being this cat and things just kind of happen to it to where you get to the city. And as you go through the city, you're just kind of slowly piecing together with different memories that you find or different documents or Collectibles that you can interact with what actually was maybe possibly the reason why there's no more humans left And I still haven't gotten that answer yet, but I can tell you that in addition to its amazing graphics Very interesting story with a just a constant mystery Kind of following you along and and, and leading you along with a dangle of a carrot (sighs) The gameplay has been extremely tight. I mean, it's just been awesome I have loved the traversal system. It took a couple minutes for me to kind of get used to what I was needing to do. But once I got the hang of it very quickly, it was uh, just awesome. It's been amazing exploring, especially the the slums. Once you get to the slums, it's kind of like this little robot village in a way. And man, it was just so awesome exploring it, finding all the different nooks and crannies and hidden passageways and ways to get into rooms that had different documents. Or there was one guy who's a robot who... He's looking and asking for sheet music to play songs. And those are collectibles that are in the slums. There's eight pieces of sheet music you can find and bring back to him, And he'll play a very short song on his guitar that he has. And just little things like that have just been awesome. And it's not just that, but let me just tell you this. You know, me and my friend Logan Phoenix over at Graveyard Gamer, another great podcast right here on Anchor and other pl- podcast platforms. If you like my show, you will like him, I promise But I got to tell you, me and him have always talked about the fact that when you first played Batman Arkham Asylum, and just the Arkham games in general, that, for the first time, Arkham Asylum, that made you feel like Batman. It was like, yo, this is how it feels to be Batman. Well, gamers, if you have ever wanted to know what it feels like to be a cat, (laughs) look no further. Because Stray does an excellent job of making you feel like a cat between the agility, between the speed. And with the PS5 and the DualSense controller, ah, the purring, you feel the purring right there and the vibrations. When you're doing scratching on the carpets or scratching posts or whatnot, man, the way that they do those adaptive triggers is amazing. And just in general, the way you get around meowing, stopping to drink some water, sleeping here or there, taking little cat naps, I just got to tell you, it may not sound interesting or fun to you, but I cannot say enough how it just blends perfectly within the game world. None of, the, none of that stuff do you have to do, but it's all there as options for you to do. And I would say, why not? You're a cat in a dystopian world. Why, why not take a sip of water or lip, lap up some water out of a, a drainage pipe or whatever the case may be. But I can't tell you guys enough how much I have loved this game. There are enemy types in the game known as Zerks, and they look like, honestly, pigs without heads because they're these fat, plump, pink-looking, four-legged creatures that they run pretty fast. And they chase after you, and they are very much high in number. So if too many of them jump onto your cat and you can't tap circle quick enough to get them all off of you, your cat unfortunately dies. But uh, it's only happened to me once, and hopefully it won't happen to me again until I go for the trophy to die nine times because, you know, nine lives for a cat. But regardless, they are pretty nuts, but they're also very well implemented in the game because as a cat, unless you want to sit there and pull out claws and be all crazy with combat, there isn't any of that. It's all about using and manipulating those Zerks either to help you get past a puzzle segment in the environment or luring them to jump at you and dive off the cliff, so to speak, and take them out that way. So it's very interesting what this game has done and the developers have done with this game and how they've implemented being a cat into this kind of a world. And I've just had a blast playing it. I can't tell you enough. And there are 12 worlds or chapters in the game, if you will. And I just completed the sixth one. So I am right at the halfway point of the game. I am very happy to say, based on chapter select, I've gotten all the memories so far through those first six chapters. And I know you probably, if you've seen stuff about Stray Online, a lot of people are talking about its length. And look, when it comes to me and playtime, if you know me, I usually spend like double what most of those average aggregate playtimes equal out to be. So most places I looked were like four or five hours. So I came into the game expecting about 10 hours for me to complete the game. And it looks to be kind of on pace with that. At 50%, I have put four hours into the game. So even if it takes me about eight hours, that still makes perfect sense to me. But regardless, man, that four hours I put in has been awesome. And I can't recommend trying it out enough. Whether you have PS Plus Extra or Premium and get it for free, or you pay the 30 bucks to own it. I'm telling you, in my opinion, I definitely think it's worth checking out. Now let's go see what my highlight of the week was. Gamers, as much as I have thoroughly enjoyed my four hours in Stray this past week, it did not take my highlight of the week award, believe it or not. That highlight is actually going to a moment in Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. And what that highlight is... So one of the collectibles in the game that I came across in the Hazardous Wastes is known as a flashback tape. And these are very cool. What they are, they are VHS tapes. And it's supposed to be footage from the 90s, back when Neo Cortex was doing experiments on Bandicoots. And this first tape that you get essentially... It clocks your time, how long it takes you to get it done, and it shows you the amount of crates that are in that segment. And at least that first flashback tape, I don't know how the rest are going to be, but if they're like this, I, I can't wait. In some ways, I can't wait. Other ways, I'm terrified. But regardless, what it is is essentially getting from left to right and making sure to get every single crate destroyed. And that may not sound too difficult, but... Literally, after you jump off of that beginning platform, there's nothing, nothing between you and the other platform on the other side. But uh, I want to say it was 118 crates that that's the only option. They are your only option to get over to the other platform and complete the stage. But the key, obviously, for someone like me, I got to get all the crates. So the, the amazing funness and terrifyingness, which is probably not even a word, but the best part about it was trying to figure out the strategy in some areas of this trek across an open chasm, was trying to figure out the timing and the order on certain spots of which crates to hit first, because you still have to leave yourself a path back, right, in some areas. So it was just awesome. It was exhilarating, It was the most sweating bullets moment I've had in gaming in a long time. I mean, look, I just recently defeated the final boss at Horizon Forbidden West, and I didn't break a sweat. But I'm sitting here in Crash Bandicoot 4, sweating bullets, just trying to cross a chasm. So, regardless, it was a very good feeling when I made it to the other side of the chasm. All 118 crates broken. And I can't wait to find, believe it or not, what that next flashback tape is. Is going to be. So that was my highlight of the week. Now let's go open up a buried treasure gaming tip for you in Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. Gamers, if you guessed that I was going to give you a tip on how I actually was able to make it to get all 118 crates at the other end of that chasm, then you are correct. That is my buried treasure gaming tip this week. And essentially, it's not going to be the whole gamut of crates here it's going to be the back half of that chasm and at the very end you're going to have these crates up high in a row of crates low and they're going to be in a specific order now the crates down below you're going to notice they're stacked two together the crates up top they're stacked across as well and if you're like me again you're going to want to get to the end having smashed all of the crates in this area And here's my tip on how I was able to do it. So it's pretty tricky, but I suggest starting from the high crates and jumping from left to right, take all those high crates out and drop down to the sets of those two crates below and hop on one of them at a time, working your way back left. So this way, the second crate that's there is still there, giving you access back across the gap to the end of the level. Now, if that doesn't come across clearly verbally, the way that I explained it, you guys can always check out the video that i posted on instagram to get a visual on what i'm talking about and my instagram lost to c gaming simple as that so hopefully that'll help you clear out all 118 crates in that first flashback tape level now let's go check out my newest segment to see how close i am to getting a thousand trophies in my road to one thousand <laughs> Gamers, if this is the first time that you are hearing of my newest segment, Road to 1000, let me give you a little very quick explanation of what it is. So a couple years ago, I had a segment that I added called The Road to 500, which was my final 100 trophies until I got to 500. Well, here we are a couple years later, and I found myself very close to 1000. I said, you know what? I'm going to do The Road to 1000. So every 25 trophies that I unlock... I will give you an update on how close and that much closer I am to hitting 1,000 trophies unlocked. Now, as of the last update I gave you guys on this, the trophies I had as of July 9th on that episode of Captain's Quarters, I had 939 trophies, and since then, I now have 958 trophies. So since the last update, I unlocked 19 trophies, getting me to that 958. So how long is it going to take for me to get that next 17 or so trophies and be at the next 25, which is 975? Man, guys, I got to tell you, I am really flying through the 900 to 1,000 range of trophies, and I'm loving it. I can't wait to hit that 1,000-trophy mark. But keep listening out on Captain's Quarters in the future to see when it finally happens. Now, let's go check out this week's Captain's Decree. Gamers, this week's Captain's Decree, it's almost like a sequel to a Captain's Decree I did a while ago. So this week, after playing Stray, I'm asking, what is the next animal game? (laughs) And what I mean by that is, well, we've already had Manhunter, right? Which play as a shark, the life of a shark. And that game prompted me to ask or to say in my captain's decree what kind of animals I would like to see next done in the same style as Maneater. And if you didn't listen to that episode, I had, at that time mentioned a tiger in the jungle and an anaconda. I thought both were very unique and kind of something that we've never done or seen before. And I still would feel that way about either of those animals. Now, granted, tiger, you know, we have a cat now in Stray. I get it very similar as far as movements, mannerisms, whatnot. But now that we've had cats and we've had sharks, I got to thinking, like, what else can we do that would be something different? Because we've had underwater. We've had an underwater animal or creature. And we've had a dystopia with cats. Guys, guys. Now, let's go to the air. And with the air, I give a little bit of leeway as far as going into fantasy a little bit. I started thinking about what could we do with the air. First thing I went to was maybe like a bald eagle or a hawk or something like that. And then I started thinking about, well, you know, there could be some cool stuff there, but how much gameplay options could we really have? Because birds don't move a whole lot when they're just kind of walking around on two feet, right? Their mobility is mostly in the air. And sure, you could have a game kind of set up maybe like a a blazing angels or a dog fighting style game or something along those lines but have it as you're a bird and not a plane or something like that. And you could have, you know, zoom and dive down to get food and to replenish health or, you know, perch up on high places and the kind of eyesight that a bird has, being able to zoom in from so far away, and you could use that as a gameplay mechanic in some way. Manipulate the story however you like. You could do it in the sense of Man Eater, where it's more comedic, or you could do it like it's uh, Stray, and it's more serious and somber, and set in a specific kind of stylized world. I don't know how you could do it, but just looking at animal options or options that we haven't really done as far as from a gameplay standpoint, flight in the air that kind of gameplay style is what I'm looking at. And when I had mentioned previously about fantasy, I was kind of leaning more into dragons. But my problem with that is we have seen dragons in games before, necessarily, not necessarily, that is, in the sense that, hey, this is a game where you just, you play and you are a dragon, like living a life of a dragon or uh, going through this specific story in this world. I do feel it could be kind of cool if you play as a main character of a dragon you have the rpg elements of man eater and you kind of have your cave that you go to up in the mountains and you can kind of come back and forth between and it's set in maybe a medieval times era and you kind of mess with the armies that are coming after you and you have to defend yourself and you know there's other dragons that you may have to fight at some point or whatever the case may be it could be kind of cool you could do raids all kinds of options that you could do if you did just a drag living the life of a dragon essentially But the possibilities are endless, and I'm sure we will constantly be surprised with the ideas that game developers come up with for all kinds of animals, fantasy or not, in the future. That'll do it for this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer. You can join its crew by reaching out to me via email at lostatseagaming365 at at gmail.com as well as searching for hulking yoda on the xbox playstation and nintendo switch networks reach out to me on social media at instagram at lost at sea gaming as well as on twitter at lost at sea J A M I N, the number one thank you for listening and until the sea says otherwise we'll keep sailing